0: welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Jude, and with me this week is the one and the only, the fabulous Mrs. J. Hobbit, Amity, my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for coming on and doing this. You're welcome. So yeah, I've I've been super excited. We've tried to do this and it hasn't worked out in terms of like this week. So we're glad we finally got a chance to to record.
1: Yes, this is take two.
0: Yes, take two. So I'm gonna stick with what we do with our normal guests and ask like, what is, I'm laughing cause I see what your answer's gonna be on <laughs> the outline. What is your relationship to the MCU? What got you into the MCU?
1: I'm not into the MCU.
0: (laughs) Okay, so when when it came time for me to like find guests, we got I got Fran Daniel, and I said I need one more, and immediately you jumped up and you're like, "I want in." So (laughs) why did you immediately jump in if you're not into the MCU?
1: Because I love you, and this is such an important part of what you do that I. I know things, maybe not MCU things, but I do know things and I wanted to contribute.
0: Well, you this isn't your first time on the pod.
1: Okay. Smash does not count. It does. You
0: in tags. They're important.
1: Yay! <laughs> I am the queen of the intags.
0: But you told me another reason though why you weren't into the MCU when we were talking about this first outline.
1: Are you trying to get me to alienate your listeners? No. Because y'all are a bunch of nerds.
0: Yes, that's what's it. You were a bunch of nerds. But you also said because you hated the, seeing all the characters die.
1: Oh, yeah. I This is a major point of contention in our marriage. Um, I will not watch the last episode of WandaVision because I don't want to see the resolution. In my head, I want to leave Wanda. And I know this isn't our topic. But I want to leave Wanda in her fantasy where she's happy with her husband and her life and her children. Because if something ever happened to you, I am getting deep here. If something ever happened to you, I hope that my viewers, if I am a fictitious character, would leave me in my fantasy.
0: I completely understand, I and I genuinely under, understand that, uh, and I think that was we talked about that some. I think when you watched the first couple of episodes, and yeah, uh, and that feeling, that feeling of grief and to have it from that side. You mentioned that you've seen Wandavision. What else have you seen of the MCU?
1: Oh, so I've seen the Lokis and I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, and um, some Thor, and some Endgame.
0: You saw Infinity War too.
1: To me, that's part of Endgame.
0: Okay, so those go together.
1: Yeah, that's the Endgame prequel, and then Endgame. And <gasps> oh, and um, Iron Man stuff. Iron Man's cool. Oh wait, I don't know if this counts as MCU. Miles Morales, he's fantastic.
0: Uh, it will one day. Okay. It will. Miles is Miles is coming down the road. You saw Black Panther, and I, I thought did Doctor Strange. I did. Oh, you didn't? Not a Doctor Strange fan?
1: And eh, no, no, not really. I am a huge fan of Black Panther, though.
0: And you saw Captain Marvel?
1: Yeah. To me, Captain Marvel was not a good female lead.
0: Really? Why is that? I'm because, just curious.
1: Because they took away everything thing they basically turned her into and i'm I'm doing air quotes as a man she wants to fight she has close friendships she wants to protect her friends there's nothing there's nothing that was integrating of stereotypical feminine roles in her they just made her a girl okay okay and that's a problem now, when I first saw it, I really enjoyed it. It was like comparing, and, and I know this is MC, you need to know. But, however, she cannot compare with Wonder Woman in terms of emotional poignancy. Mm-hmm. For me, personally. No, and that's
0: that's perfectly fine. Okay. Like all, all of these things that we interact with, any kind of, well, you know, you teach English. Any kind of text, right, it's going to hit us in different ways emotionally. The really good stuff will impact you one way emotionally and it impact me in a different way emotionally right. but we both have an emotional connection to it.
1: Right. On one lens that's like reader response. However, there is, I believe, an overarching truth and whether we like it or not comics are the flower of the roots of Western culture. The MCU is specifically. I'm sure there's other Eastern magical comics but these are the roots of our culture and in some ways They try too hard to follow Joseph Campbell.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to follow more of that culture, but I do want to ask you, which is your favorite? Which is your favorite character? (laughs) Groot. Groot. What is it about Groot?
1: He's just great. And he says, I am Groot. Groot. (laughs) He's fantastic. And he's a plant.
0: Yeah. You like plants.
1: He's like an ant. He's like a baby ant. He's all the ants.
0: He's the ant god. No. No, that's that's too that's, far. That's
1: that's Treebeard. Oh. In my brain, Groot is the offspring of Treebeard. I can
0: I can go with that new head cannon. I'm good with that.
1: What is new head cannon?
0: So new head cannon is going to be like in my head. It's now canon.
1: Oh. Okay. So it's the magical, like, land of my interior world and me making sense of these different things culturally. So what exists in my head may not exist in another person's head unless they share a similar educational, cultural, spiritual background that I share.
0: That's possible. But it also could just be that I think the idea of Groot being related to Eight Tree Beard is awesome. So I'm just going to pretend that that's really the case.
1: Oh, I got excited for a second because you and I agree on so many things. We like do. I do. Like, I kind of feel like my head is your head. And so my head cannon fits with your head cannon. So it's our head cannon, our new head cannon.
0: So, does that mean you have finished WandaVision?
1: No, you finished WandaVision because you were morally obligated to because of the podcast. I do not share that moral obligation. I am allowed my illusions. And also, you can be stereotypical male. And this isn't a bad thing. But you are protective of those whom you love. And you love me. And you're protecting me from the harsh reality of Vision's death and Wanda's grief. Which my heart cannot handle. I'll take the protector role. Okay. Awesome. So yes, if you
0: downloaded this episode, you can tell from the title that we're here to talk about MCU and Norris mythology. In particular, it was so sweet, because like, when you first said, I was like, what do you want to talk about? And you're like, oh, I thought you were just going to, I was going to come on and you were going to make fun of me for the things I didn't know about the MCU, but I have you on here and I wanted you to talk about things you enjoy and know. And you really enjoyed Ragnarok.
1: Yes. You really
0: enjoyed Loki.
1: Yes. And you of.
0: love... Hmm, it was weird. You you didn't like Loki at first. And you're kind of meh. And then when you got into like episode fours, when you really got into it.
1: Okay. And then I don't...
0: I was, all I was going to say is from there, I think you enjoyed it from episode four in.
1: I don't like Loki. I don't like Norse Loki because you're not supposed to like Norse Loki. But I like MCU Loki. I think he is redeemable and he is complicated. And his journey is... Very, very good. And he's also very medieval.
0: Okay, so let me start, because I I know we have our outline, but I want to start here. You just said you like MCU Loki, and you're not supposed to like the Norse myth Loki, and he's very medieval. Help me out. Why is it that we're not supposed to like the Norse Loki?
1: Because he's the cuckoo. He is the source of... Okay, so I'm kind of jumping in here, but I'm just going to jump in. Loki in Norse mythology is not Odin's son. He's not Thor's brother. He is Odin's blood brother. So he is still the child of of Jotunheim, a giant. Not really a giant, but we'll go with that translation. But he, in equal parts, destroys and makes the lives of the gods interesting. But he ultimately is what causes the death of Odin and Thor.
0: Yeah. So, okay, so... In Ragnarok, yeah, Odin dies pretty much like a natural death, almost like he runs out of power. But you just said Loki kills him.
1: No, Loki doesn't kill him. Loki causes his death. How? Fenrir.
0: Oh, the the wolf that uh, Hela had are brought to life. In... Is
1: Hela? I feel like this is so unorganized. Wait, let me go back and let me explain why I think that Loki is medieval. Can I do that? Absolutely. Because in the medieval period, and again, I'm speaking very stereotypically, I'm not being anti-feminist, I'm not being any, anything, but in the medieval period and in much of Western civilization, except for the Greeks, because the Greeks. Um,
0: yeah, we don't have video, so nobody saw you give the finger to the Greeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but women were a civilizing influence, and it is through loving a woman. And I get that this is very cisgender, very heterosexual, but that's been our mainstream. It is only through love that that men are civilized and ennobled and become better versions of themselves. And that's what happens to Loki. And I love that idea. It is infinitely romantic and, and it fits very, very well with the faith of the time and the veneration of the Virgin Mary and Catholicism.
0: Mm-hmm. Now it's interesting. So it's very medieval, but again, this was Norris myth. So it's well, very different
1: that that wasn't Loki in Norse myth. That's the modern Loki. And I like the modern Loki. I don't mm-hmm. like Norse Loki. And he brings about Ragnarok. Yeah. Which
0: in the MCU we had the big um fire thing, Surtur. you say the Norse for me. Surt. Surt. Yes. As I, it was so funny prepping for this. We were talking, and you are trying to get me to say all these names, and I just could not for the life of me.
1: Okay, and I and think I say, got Odin, Othin. Othin. You also have have to remember that Odin is the god and has names in half a dozen different languages. We're talking Anglo-Saxon, we're talking Germanic, we're talking not really Celtic, but Gothic, Goth, not like earrings and black but like the goths the visigoths he had his name was pronounced in multiple languages so he is a pan-germanic god there you go
0: yeah i think i think he's called the all-father in the mcu
1: he is the all-father yeah okay so there's
0: there's there's a there's a strain of mcu fans that don't like odin they think they because they look at what he did like in the first movie and i and i know I don't think you've seen the first two, but just in general, the idea was you take Loki as this adoptive son. You don't let him know that he's adopted, and you're kind of setting them both up. Like, one day, both of you will be kings, but really not you, Loki. It's just Thor. And so you see this trend of Odin kind of unhealthily butting these two against each other. So in Ragnarok, when they were talking about like all the world conquering, like with he did with Hela... That's more Odin Norse Smith.
1: What you can I I'm going to go back to our list because I feel like there's some foundational information that we need here. Let's do
0: that. I I went away from that just cuz what you said about Loki in the medieval period and that just kind of like oh, sparked me and I just wanted to that's why I jumped in right there. But go ahead, start back from the beginning.
1: Okay, so for the Norse, I'm saying Norse because my source information I'm I'm being a good scholar. I'm going to cite my sources, okay? And I'm going to tell you right now The best I like audiobooks because I have to grade for a living and grading for a living is makes me not necessarily want to read things. These come from the Poetic Edda and the Prose Edda. The Poetic Edda is there's a really good version on Audible by a scholar named Jackson Crawford, but it's very, very scholarly and very, very dry. The um the meter of the poetry is not preserved. But the, um, the meaning behind the words is. Now, if you want a like, really fun one just to listen to that has at heart the original, but has it, it has modern narrative elements added, I would say Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman is fantastic. Okay.
0: Well, I will, I will take and put all those links in the show notes. So that if would anybody be wonderful. To, they can just scroll down to the show notes and, and uh, take their pick.
1: Okay, so when we're talking about Germanic people, we're not just talking about the Norse. We're not just talking about the Northmen, Norway. We are, this is, there's the Anglo-Saxons, the Jutes, any Germanic people, later Prussian people. You also have uh, the Sami, which is a native Finnish population, which they're an indigenous Finnish population. And culturally, they're impacted by this whole Norse world. So I'm saying Norse to encapsulate all these people. Now, my pronunciation is going to be inconsistent because I'm not naturally a Norse scholar. I just really like Norse stuff. I'm, I'm technically, if you want to get real technical, I'm a medieval scholar for medieval English literature, which is after the Norman Conquest. Middle English is my thing. Um, <clears throat> but I'm familiar. I I know things. So what you have to remember is that specifically for the Norse people, it is a very unforgiving climate. It is cold. Arable farming land is, is, is limited. And this is also a time of a little ice age. So farming was 10 times worse. These people are not Vikings. Viking is a verb. Vikingum. It meant... Because it, if, if the Vikings could have stayed home and farmed and fought among themselves, they would have. However, there wasn't enough resources to do that. So what they were primarily concerned with in their culture was providing for their families, which is a very human thing. Like we still want what's best for our families. So they were very concerned with the idea of glory and honor. And even going back to Beowulf, boasting? It's not bragging if you can do it like glory and honor. And that was necessary for them and especially for their ideas of masculinity. Remember, this is pre-Christian. Granted, they're they were looking to the south and to the Christian south. And I realize it's still northern Europe, but they're looking at England and they're like, oh, (laughs) they have undefended houses to their gods with gold and wonderful and jewels and wonderful things. I will kill the priests and take the things and so when you're talking about the conversion of the norse for them a a a culture that is based on a code of honor with a show of strength and confrontation providing for your family so hard work hard work is incredibly important to these people and you can see it with the puritans you can see it in modern american culture pick yourself up by the bootstraps right our modern culture we we don't do violence which has led to this really, really weird corporate doublespeak, but that's another topic. They dealt with violence with violence. Even their women were violent. You do not, if someone insults you, you do not turn the other cheek. So for this people to have a God that turns the other cheek, a God who is humble, was completely insane for them. It went It was contrary against every single thing that they knew and valued. They valued Thor. Thor was the son of Odin and the earth God, not his wife Freya. Thor was straightforward. He was strong. He, he even, he was the strongest of the gods, right? After Ragnarok, am I jumping too far ahead? No, you're
0: not, but I do want to ask, you said one thing and I want to, before you get back to it after Ragnarok, you said not his wife, Freya. 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 Okay. F F-R- R right. I G G A is what it's like in the MCU. Yeah, but when you said his, you're referring to Thor. No, I'm referring to Odin. To Odin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It just well, you were just talking about Thor.
1: Yeah, I'm and so, sorry. And then and
0: then you said his wife, forget. And so that's why I was like, Ugh.
1: I just I love the idea that Thor is the child of Odin, the All Father, and the Earth Goddess personified thor is straightforward where odin is devious thor Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. strong where odin's strength is his mind Mm -hmm. advancing your family was incredibly important like okay take for example our culture right when i married you i took your last name and my allegiance goes to our new family that we're forming right In Norse mythology and in Norse culture, my allegiance would still be to my father and mother's family. Mm -hmm. And so it was all about avoiding shame, which someone shaming me, me, me dealing with confrontation in a very timid way. It was not altruistic and it was not utilitarian. And so much of our modern culture is altruistic, is utilitarian. And family is the basic social unit, not the individual like your family of origin.
0: Right. And it sounds very clannish. Clannish, uh duty-bound. Yes. honor-bound. Yes. Um you mentioned. Okay, that's interesting to me cuz we had Do you remember when we had the back and forth between John Stuart Mill and Emmanuel Kant? And we had the we had I think it was our oldest sitting there like take keeping score <laughs> as we were making points.
1: I don't like Emmanuel Kant. And I do like John Stuart Mill. So I think I remember this.
0: I find that interesting because Mill, the utilitarian, and which you said, our culture is more like, whereas Kant was much more duty-bound and, and honor-bound. And, and, and I just found it interesting because as, as much as you, like you said, enjoy and like the, the Norse mythology and the Norse culture.
1: I don't like Kant.
0: Not a lot of people do. It's okay. You do. But no, I just, just because one, one puts up as the, the duty, right? And, and prizes that just like the Norse. And that,
1: that's that's the only one that made me think of it. I appreciate the Norse. I love the Norse. I intrinsically understand the Norse. However, they are not my moral compass. No, not this, that I was suggesting they're your
0: moral compass.
1: Mills kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. One's word was binding, especially if you were a god. And that makes sense. That carried
0: through to the MCU with the hammer, right? Well, you didn't, again, you didn't see the first Thor. But,
1: Mjolnir.
0: Yeah, that one. Steven. Jonathan. Same thing. I'll put that link in the show notes too. But, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you kept trying to, okay, so I've always struggled with the, the, the hammer's name, Mjolnir.
1: Mjolnir.
0: You'll say it one more time.
1: Well, I'm not saying it like an Icelandic person. And that's all we have to remember. So much of what we have is preserved in the Eddas. The Eddas were preserved from 13th century Icelandic texts. Wait, the
0: the original text you started mentioning, the Eddas, and where you mentioned yeah. the, the two options, the scholarly option, and then the other option that had more... Yeah. Uh, meaning rather than an exact translation.
1: Yeah, the Norse sagas. That's why. That's why we have this um, this preserved version. But we don't have all the pieces. We don't know all the pieces, which is fascinating and incredibly frustrating.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I was bringing that up because you're saying about the the God's word. So in the first movie, Thor gets. I mean, y- you know, you're familiar with Campbell. You're familiar with the hero's journey. Thor. His birthright, he's supposed to be king. He screws up, banished to Midgard, and the hammers. Odin puts like this curse, maybe? Um, on Mjolnir? Enchantment on Mjolnir that basically said only those worthy of the powers of Thor can lift this. Um, which is just interesting because it, it, you have that thread you mentioned, very strong about the. About, uh, um, the verbal the, the what, what people said is specifically the gods
1: okay so let's explore this a little bit more and i'm gonna probably go into more detail
0: what oh one less one other thing what i also find interesting is the words like if he be worthy if we're gonna fall follow that thread it's like what is you mentioned honor glory what are the things that are worthy of a norris person or Norse mythology right like 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 that that's always been a debate within the MCU what does worthy mean in the MCU right Of who can actually lift the hammer um, but following Thor Odin and Norse mythology it it kind of stands to reason of like what does worthy mean to them and who can because culturally worthy doesn't always mean the same thing
1: okay so this is a culture that prized violence and this is a culture that prized the advancement of one's own family so, I don't know exactly what the conditions of Mjolnir were, but I can tell you, once Thor died in Ragnarok, his two sons, and I don't remember the names off the top of my head, but it was strength and anger. Those are, those, that's the translation, Thor's two sons. Uh-huh. They are the ones who can wield Mjolnir, but they have to do it together because they don't have the strength of their father. And and it has a name. As all good things in when something was really really worthy for the Norse, they named it. Because naming something gave it it made it a proper noun. It made it important. It gave it significance. Thor was strong, stronger than strong, the strongest of the gods, but he also had a magical belt that doubled his strength. And that's why he was able to wield Mjolnir. Now, I don't know if there was more to it than his strength, but Thor was great and Thor was even more popular than Odin when it came to cultural worship.
0: Yeah, well, we were talking the other night and you were just saying how Thor, the portrayal of Thor in the MCU is very different than what he is in terms of like, I don't want to say, how do I want to describe it? almost like a jock, maybe? The stereotypical jock, like you're not that smart, you're not that bright, but whatever, you have pretty blue eyes and blonde hair and you can, you're can you strong. Like that. that's a lot of what comes across. And even in Ragnarok, you feel like you, they lean into that a little bit because it tries to go more comedic. Not tries, it successfully is more comedic than the other two. But that's not Thor in Norse mythology at all.
1: No, it's not. And even more importantly, later, when you have Fat Thor, that was not a thing. Right. So Thor is very much not your stereotypical jock, quote. And I'm doing air quotes right now. Thor is... Because for these people, for the Norse people, they admired cleverness. Look at Odin. Look at Loki. They admired what they called wisdom. And, and Odin... Odin is called... The wisest of the gods. And wisdom is not just in the modern sense and and being able to look at things and tell how things might turn out based on people's patterns. Wisdom also had to do with cleverness, trickery, deceit. The mischief. Yeah. But Thor was not mischievous. Thor was the exact opposite of his dad, of Odin. He was straightforward. He was straight dealing. He... I guess he was a typical "quote unquote" jock, air quotes, um, in that he would—he was at face value. If if he did not like you, and he said, "I'm going to kill you," he was going to kill you. He wouldn't be like Odin and Loki and and figure out like fifty steps ahead, like a chess game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know what? As you say
0: that, I think they captured that a little bit. Yes, in the first movie in particular, because um, he had this element of, but the way they played it there, and, and again they had to find a way for his character to be banished, right, and to earn this worthiness. But he had he was very arrogant in what he would do, and I'm just going to rush into battle without a thought or forethought of like what are the consequences, what what is what is this going to do? Um, so essentially, in the beginning, he attacks Jotunheim. Because he can, and he's because he's Thor, and he actually causes more problems because he disrupts the peace. And Odin's like, that's not what a king would do. Get on off to Midgard.
1: Okay. So, in the MCU, are the Jotunheim purely frost giants? Uh,
0: yes, they're the frost giants.
1: Okay. So, I'm getting into some background information here. Wait, is there the Yggdrasil? You look at me confused, so I assume there isn't an Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. The world tree.
0: Oh, yes. I'm sorry. When you said that, we well, talked about that, right? There's the world tree. We pulled it up. So there's Jotunheim, <laughs> Ned was on the list, uh, Asgard was in the list, Midgard was on the list. Off of memory, I got those four. That's, that's good. But I mean, yeah. So you do have the world tree. In fact, because okay. in, in the first Thor was he's explaining that to Jane. It was like, yeah, here's here's where I'm from. Here's where you're from, Midgard. Here's the world tree. Um, what you call magic, we just call science, and y'all just haven't discovered it yet.
1: So in in the MCU is the planet Earth Midgard. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Um. So Heimdall he is called the heimdall of the nine mothers those nine mothers are a reference to the norse idea of the nine worlds and i don't know what they are off the top of my head google is your friend but i know that asgard and jotunheim but jotunheim doesn't necessarily or jotunheim doesn't necessarily mean giant it's translated as giant, but what it actually is is just a culture separate from the gods. So when you dive into Norse myth and, and you're looking at these anthropological roots, we're wondering who the Jotunheim Jotunheim really are. So that's a bit of fun. Okay. So where do they get the frost from?
0: It's cold in Norway. Like literally, that's it. There's not. To my knowledge, it's cold. That's it. I don't know. I've never been to Norway. I just hear that it's cold. So basically, frost giants there. So, would that have, were culturally, were they referring to someone in particular or a group in particular that was like of above average size?
1: They weren't necessarily large. We just translated as giant because it's like this other culture, this other world. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, hmm. Okay. And and there's some interesting debate about what jotunheim actually means. So we can talk about frost giants and frost giants are a thing and they're part of jotunheim. But giant doesn't ne- doesn't necessarily mean jotunheim. Jotun doesn't necessarily mean giant. Okay. 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 So we're going to start at the beginning. And we've talked a little bit about Norse myth. Now we're going to get into the different gods, right? Mm-hmm. So, our primary players are Odin and Loki. They are blood brothers. Loki is not Odin's adopted son. Remember that family is of the utmost importance. And that's why the gods put up with so much of Loki's mischief. Loki's mother was an Aesir, an Asgardian. Loki's dad was Jotunheim, a frost giant. I think, I I don't remember his dad's Norse name, but it translates to one who strikes, like smacks. Mm -hmm. So, none of the gods know. And I'm sure at some point the Norse had a story for this, but we don't know what made Loki and Odin blood brothers, but that exists. And I made a reference to Loki as a cuckoo. The birds, the cuckoo, will lay its egg in the nest of another bird, and its babies are much larger. And the mama bird doesn't know the difference between her babies and the cuckoo's babies. And so the cuckoo's babies will stick its other, will like nuzzle, I guess, or beak with their beak. They'll kill the other babies, the native the bird's true children. And so because the cuckoo is so big, it requires so much food and care from the mama and daddy bird that the cuckoo thrives and the others diminish. Mm -hmm. And so Loki is accepted among the Asgardian. His mother is an Asgardian, but Loki is not Asgardian. Loki always returns to his Jotunheim roots. And... Loki Loki's intelligence and his cleverness and his mischievousness what you have to remember about the Norse Loki is he is so full of anger and hate and this in between he's not one he's not the other he's he's in between he is both and neither and somehow he and Odin become blood brothers and they're very very similar Loki is so full of lust, so full of anger, so full of this need to prove himself and justify his own existence that he has no loyalty other than to Loki. You know,
0: I I feel like the Loki arc throughout the MCU from the very beginning to end game and even some of the stuff that they do in in Loki, the TV show, is pretty accurate. No, to Loki in well in the he is in it for himself trying to gain this power feels like he's owed something um been told that about that especially he finds out he's adopted I've been told I'm worthy of glorious things and have this glorious purpose and I'm gonna do whatever I can to to get that um character development wise he matures or grows past that in the MCU, but his main drive in the beginning is to rule.
1: But Norse Loki never grows past that,
0: right? But the initial motivation, I think, what you get in the first Thor, even even in the others, it is fairly on.
1: Odin, Odin, is similar to Loki and different than Loki. Odin. Is the all-father but he's also the great deceiver which is interesting in that those familiar with Judeo-Christian tradition equate the all-father as the exact opposite of, of the deceiver but Odin's both Odin sacrifices himself to himself for knowledge for knowledge of the runes so he hangs himself on Yggdrasil, the world tree and he hangs there for nine nights and as he's dying he gets knowledge of the runes which the runes were that ancient alphabet of of the norse but the runes didn't only have alphabet knowledge they also have the knowledge to foretell the future and remember odin only has one eye odin sacrificed his eye for wisdom he's the wisest of the gods he sees the furthest he doesn't really heimdall and loki see much further but i digress odin is tricky he and loki are more alike than what the norse want to realize like we and, and i say we as a norse we don't like loki because he's other he causes both infinite fun and shenanigans with the gods, his wisdom and his cleverness get them out of situations, but oftentimes it also creates situations. But Ragnarok, and we're talking about Thor Ragnarok, that's where we're building to The end times for the Norse. Loki causes it. Intentionally? Gleefully.
0: Oh, that's an interesting way to put it. Mm Mm-hmm. And... and Okay, so in the movie Ragnarok, in order to save the people of Asgard, and to stop Hela and save the people of Asgard, Thor causes Ragnarok. In this case, true Norse myth, Loki causes it gleefully. And so he also knows this is the end of, well, in the MCU, it's the end of Asgard. In Norse myth, it's the end of everything.
1: It's their Noah's Ark. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay, so it, it does it does. So for as great as the gods are, everything is controlled by the Norns. And for those of you who remember Macbeth, it's the Weird Sisters, the witches, the Fates. They live underneath Yggdrasil, the world tree. So Yggdrasil contains the nine worlds of the Norse, and Heimdall is the child of nine mothers. And that's symbolic of those nine worlds. We think. We don't really know. And so each of these worlds is connected by an ancient ash tree that can never be destroyed. It is greater than the gods. And so things continue on. Things are born anew after Ragnarok. But I digress. So the Norns. The Norns have ultimate control of a person's destiny, and by destiny, I mean their death. Your life is very much what you make it. However, your end is underneath the Norns control. Three women, three witches. So each person has a fated death when we die. And this is gloomy and hopeless for the Norse people. But they always work around it, and they don't give up working. So that's, remember when I said hard work? hmm That's where hard work works from. Okay.
0: Okay. And the hard work is to, it, it, to make sure I'm understanding you right, the hard work is to, in a weird way, like, I don't want to say cheat fate or prolong life, but, that,
1: but that's what it sounds like you were saying. You work to cheat a fate you cannot. Escape, so even Odin, Othin, is fated to die by the Norns, but Odin is the only one because he's told by Mimir, um, Mimir's well, in Ragnarok, and I realize I'm moving forward, but he's told by Mimir, and I think the name is Memory, or Remembrance is is the translation, and he's told something that makes him think that he can somehow escape his fate in Ragnarok. But to be a true hero, you fight your fate. You fight against the inevitable, even though it's inevitable.
0: And in that, in that way, that's a very human across many cultures. Is it? Um, The idea of having some sort of life after death or prolonging life in some way and fighting against that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in this or um, the second coming in Christianity or uh, reincarnation in Hinduism and some Buddhist thought, like like there is this element of wanting to carry on and fighting that ultimate fate of we're all we're all going to die at some
1: point. Okay, so I just saw one of my notes, and this is digressing, but yes, we're all going to die at some point. But do we accept that timidly or do we determine the method of our death? And that's the big deal for the Norse. The hard They're, work against fate. Yeah. Those who died in glory and those who didn't.
0: So it was a great as you said, the they respond to violence and violence. It's a great honor to die in in battle in glory.
1: Mhm. Okay, so and and I'm digressing, but the, I just found my note. The Norse idea of wisdom had to do with knowing obscure facts, contemplating paradoxes.
0: I would have fit in really well.
1: Knowing the future.
0: Nope, not anymore.
1: Cleverness. Maybe there. Strategy, knowledge of human nature. So that's their idea of wisdom. So it's not just like a, a a working intelligence, but it's also a knowledge based in education of their culture, knowledge of their gods, knowledge of, of obscure facts, knowledge of weird critters that only exist in myth.
0: Sorry, I wanted to look up something. Because you mentioned that and I was thinking of um, chess pieces. You know. We'll talk about those. And, and, and what they what they look like. And, and so I, I was like, well, chess is not i don't think norris an invention
1: chess may not be norse an invention but actually it is we'll come back to chess pieces especially as neil gaiman imagines it the oldest chess set found was a from a submerged viking ship chess games of strategy that's a very norse thing is the game of chess as we know it necessarily norse i don't know but did the vikings play chess yes Did they love it? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about Ragnarok. Yes. What is Ragnarok in the MCU?
0: Okay. So Ragnarok in the MCU was the third Thor movie directed by Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. It started off, and you've seen this, so I'm just going to recount just real quick what happens. Started off with Thor basically in like what we would as Christianity would imagine as a fiery hell with Surtur, there he calls
1: Mjolnir.
0: I can't say it like you do, Mjolnir. Um, to him, he takes this crown thing from them, and uh, from Surtur, and finds his way back to Asgard, where he finds Loki posing as Odin, because he sent Odin off to Midgard. The two of them go find Odin at Midgard. That's when Odin dies, and when Odin dies, Hela is released from her prison and comes to continue the conquest that Hela and Odin was doing before Thor came along. And then Thor and Loki get banished to Sekar, where the Grandmaster. Yeah, I don't think the Grandmaster is in Norse myth. And then the Hulk shows up. Wait. Hulk's not a Norse myth. Is that... They meet up with one of the Valkyrie.
1: No, I know what the Valkyrie are. No, but I'm saying that at that point they meet up with one of the Valkyrie. Is the Grandmaster... Doctor Strange?
0: No. Totally should be. That's interesting. It's not. Doctor Strange did show up earlier, though, in the movie. Yeah. Now, um, they find their way... Back to Asgard, through the anus. That's what it's called in the movie. Through the butt? No. Through the anus. That's a butt. And mm. the movie, it was like this cosmic portal thing that they went through. So, black holes are the buttholes
1: of the universe? I'm not an astrophysicist, but I'll go with that. You're an MCU-sivist.
0: Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, but then they return, they use, um, they confront Hela. Hela brings to life old um, Asgardian soldiers with the eternal flame, but they're zombies. Yeah. Fenrir is a zombie. No. They fight. Yeah. And to stop Hela, who gets her power from Asgard.
1: Does Loki fight with Hela on a ship?
0: Loki fights with Thor. No, and Thor has to cause Ragnarok. Now, actually, Loki does cause Ragnarok. Yeah, because no, no, no. Even in the movie, because I remember right, Loki's the one sent to the like this hall of like I'm forgetting what it's called now, but basically Odin, where he keeps all his little collections from the spoils of war, and he gets the helmet that Surtur. With where they put that in the Eternal Flame that brings Surtur back to life. So he brings Surtur back to life, which then causes Ragnarok, the destruction of Asgard, where Hela gets his powers. Okay. And then Thanos shows up and does Thanosy things. And that's the movie.
1: Okay, no. But much funnier than how I explained it. Well, yeah, because Thor's great. Okay, so let's talk about Ragnarok and Norse mythology. Now, I mentioned... um Jude mentioned... I can call you Jude, right?
0: You can call me Jude.
1: Or do I call you Jay Hobbit?
0: Jude's good. Jude's... All right. Take your pick, though.
1: What about Judy Booty? I'm,
0: I'm right now, with that smile on your face, I'm debating on whether or not I leave that in on the edit.
1: Okay, what about... Jude and Hobbit.
0: Again, I'm debating on how this is going to be edited. But go ahead, Ragnarok.
1: Okay, so Ragnarok. Let's let's talk about this. It is translated as the Twilight of the Gods. It's not really the Twilight. They don't know how to translate Ragnarok. And I didn't rule my R's effectively because I'm a bad Viking. But I'm not Viking. I'm a civilized non-Viking. Anyway, going on. So what Ragnarok is it's mistranslated as twilight of the gods but that's a good way of thinking about it remember everything's controlled by the Norns and gods are not immortal in greek myth uh, no yes in greek not Norse they have an appointed day to die so Ragnarok is the end of the world the current world and it is the end of most of the gods so we talked about Loki And we talked about Odin, and Loki is not Odin's adopted son. It's his adopted blood brother. Because of that, the gods, the other gods, Thor, Tyr, Heimdall, Freya, they they all have a blood bond to the Norse. I mean, to Loki. The worst thing that you could do in Norse mythology was to murder your brother or sister.
0: That's interesting, because Thor, well, I mean, you start to get into technicalities. Did Thor kill Hela? And the answer is no. But he directly caused the death.
1: Okay, so Hela, hell, yes. So those of you interested in linguistics, the English word hell is based on the Norse goddess, hell. Both a place and a name. So let's talk about hell, shall we? Absolutely. Hell is not... Odin's secret child. Hel is one of the five children of Loki. So Loki marries Sigund, a nice Vanir woman. So you have the Asir, they're the big gods, the primary gods. And then you have the Vanir, they're the the minor gods. There's some some scholarship that says the Vanir were conquered by the Aesir. Odin is Aesir. Loki's mom was Vanir, so minor god. These are like your, like, specific little dryad and naiad, your little forest spirit of of a tree or your little spirit of this particular well. They're minor gods. And so, yeah, the Vanir were defeated by the Asir, the Aesir, and in a war a long time ago of which... We don't have the mythological account to explain it. So Loki has Sigan, his Asir or Vanir wife, with which he has two children. But then Loki from Jotunheim has a Jotunheim wife, and I'm putting that in quotation marks because the Asir did not recognize that as a marriage. And with these, in, in this marriage, he has three children, Fenir or Fenis Wolf. Hel, or Hela, and the Midgard Serpent. And I do not say this name exactly correctly, but I'm going to try. Jörmungandr. Mundar. Okay? Well,
0: it's interesting, because Ragnarok has become popular recently. Yeah. And not just the movie, but like the, the idea and the concept. Because we watched a movie on Netflix on Halloween called Ragnarok and it w- there was a serpent that was like the big yeah. bad of the movie
1: it's the midgard serpent but it's loki's kid with his jotunheim wife Angersbora, bringer of wrath anger anger bora bringer now i realize bora and bringer aren't the same but anger and wrath same thing and that's the name of the serpent no that's the name of the serpent's mama Angersboda. Oh. oh okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Because, okay, cuz so now it's it's like it's like the uh, the Greek Theotokos, the, the god-god-bearer.
1: Yeah, Mary. The anger-bringer. Yeah. Okay. So Finnish wolf, is a wolf. And Hel or Hella is if you look at her from one side, she's a beautiful young woman. If you look at her from another side, she's a corpse. A rotting corpse, not just like a newly deceased corpse, but like a really, really bad rotting corpse. And what's his name? The Midgard Serpent, because I'm not comfortable saying that name, and I don't think I pronounce it correctly. Uh, Jörmungandr is a serpent. They are the th- three children of Loki from his Jotunheim anger. Wrathbringer is their mama, his Jotunheim wife. She considers herself... Loki's wife. Sigand, the Vanir, or or in Asir, considers herself in Asgard as, or Isgard, as Loki's true wife. So what you have to remember about Loki is he is the god of multiplicity, the god of (sighs) mischief, of lies. And I really, really cannot speak highly enough of how well Neil Gaiman, who's fabulous and always, characterizes Sigan. And he says, and this is not a direct quote, but he says that she loved Loki, but reservedly. She always looked like she expected to hear the worst. And Loki is the father of monsters. So, shall I continue, or do you have a question? I do have a question, actually.
0: As I was describing the movie Ragnarok, and I mentioned Hela resurrecting old Asgardian armies as zombies, you perked up there. Is that because half the face of Hela you um, you see is a rotting corpse, or did she actually do this?
1: She actually did that, but we'll get there. So Loki has five children, two with his wife, his Asgardian wife, Sigan, and three with a giantess. And I call her giantess, but we don't know if she's overly large. And it's these three particular children, born of Jotunheim, that we're concerned with. Because while I say Loki caused Ragnarok, it was also Odin's poor choices. It it took both of them. Yes. Like in in terms of what you're saying
0: about the three witches and the fate. Yeah. It took both of them. And in that sense, Odin's poor choices. Yeah. Yeah. Loki uh, what I'm assuming is Loki's reaction to those poor choices yeah that he gleefully brought this in about
1: so let's talk about when they were children Jorgamunder uh, Hel or Hela and Finir or Finneswolf, they Odin had a dream because remember Odin is the wisest of the gods and he had a dream that these three would cause the end of of the world as odin knew it and odin being odin thought okay i have foreknowledge i'm gonna stop this but anyone who knows anything about prophecy knows when you try to stop the prophecy you usually bring the prophecy about yes the norns are tricky 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 old ladies do not mess with the norns and so he sends Tyr, his son Tyr, the one-handed, but he's not one-handed yet. And Thor, off to Jotunheim to steal away these three children. And and Thor and Tyr bring them back. And so as Odin is dealing with these three people, he sees Hela or Hel, and he says, look, beautiful young lady, I have a whole world in the underworld. I'm going to make you the queen of it. You also get to be the queen of all the corpses. Sort of all the corpses. Because for Anglo-Saxons there, I mean, for the Norse Anglo-Saxons too, there was a good death and there was the uneasy death. The good death is someone who died in battle. If you died in battle, you got to go to one of two places. You got to go to Valhalla and you got to live in Odin's Mead Hall where... During the day, you got to drink, eat, so feast. You got to flirt and love on beautiful women, and you got to fight. And if you died in battle, it's okay, because you'd wake up the next day and do it all again. So for these people, for these young warriors, there was nothing better than loving on women, eating, feasting, and drinking, and fighting. Like, that was their high point.
0: Party Thor. Sure. You haven't seen that episode of What If, but there was a whole What If episode where Thor goes down to Earth and just throws a big party.
1: Valhall, or Valhalla. But half of those people also went to Odin's wife, Freya's, like, magical field. This was normally where she kept the women who died in battle. Remember I said that violence was not a uniquely masculine trait. And women, even women who betrayed their husbands to defend their father and brothers... They got to go to Freya's magical land and and feast and everything. So those who died of disease, those who died of old age, those are the uneasy dead. And that's most people. They got to go to the underworld and be ruled by Hel or Hela. And so Odin presented this to her and she's like, all right, cool, I'll take it.
0: Poor choices.
1: Not necessarily. We'll get there. Well, it seems like poor choices, uh, like...
0: Like, you could find your way into battle and join the Norse, whatever, nor- army, right? Hela
1: didn't hate Odin. She was okay with the deal. But also... But I mean, I mean,
0: when you start talking about people that died of old age, like, yeah.
1: it's... The uneasy dad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then you have Jorgamunda. Everyone was freaked out by this gigantic snake because nobody, except for me, thinks that certain snakes are cute. He ate and got bigger and ate and consumed and got bigger and Thor really, really wanted to kill him, but Odin's like nah, and Thor even says threateningly, we are bound by a blood oath to not act against Loki, but we are not bound by that same oath to act against Loki's children and he's talking about the Jotunheim children, not his um, his Asgardian children so, when I'm talking about blood oaths and family ties, it only goes so far. Okay. So, they throw Yorgamundar into the sea, where he can eat all the fish and eat all the things, and that's fine, and he's swimming and doing things, and and that's Odin's idea of equal, fair things. A so, serpent. Yeah. So, Hela gets her realm, Yorgamundar. The serb, the serpent gets his realm in the sea. Because remember, sea serpents. And then you have Fenir. The wolf. The wolf. Fenris' wolf. So Tyr, also a child of Odin, somewhere along the line. Odin fathered many children. We'll just keep that in mind. Um, he's like Zeus. So Fenir was a wolf puppy. And Tyr loved him. He would pet him. He would play with him. Loki did not beget Asgardian-looking children. He, begot, he was called the father of monsters. So Finir was a wolf puppy, and Tyr played with him and loved on him, and he was great. He was like his pet dog. He was like his Francis. The
0: podcast mascot.
1: Francisco! I have a really adorable video of Francis trying to bite you that I kept showing to my students today.
0: I'm sure that was a wonderful experience for them.
1: They they were surprised that you were so big and brave with a dog that was so large and vicious. What? I don't know.
0: Was this your seniors or sophomores?
1: Seniors. And they think Francis is cute.
0: Well, a lot of seniors are bright.
1: Minor <laughs> Okay. Anyway. Um, and so with finnish Wolf, Odin is afraid. Because the more that finnish Wolf Fenir eats, the bigger he grows and the bigger he grows. And so Odin, being Odin, tricks finnir And he says, hey, we made some chains. We're going to put you in the chains. And if you can escape... Awesome, we're going to let you go. So the first couple of chains, even the name chains, Fenris Wolf escapes from. Because remember, the more he eats, the bigger he gets. Well, then they, like, get the dwarves involved, and it's this whole thing. And they make these chains. And Odin says, I'm going to put these chains on you. And if you can't escape, it's cool. I'll let you out. Don't believe Odin. Odin is just as tricky as Loki. And this is Loki's son. And But the Jotunheim. So he doesn't have the blood
0: right. obligation.
1: So Thor's like, Meh, okay, <laughs> we can screw with this one. And so no one no one likes Finir, but Tyr. And Finir is smart because he's Loki's kid. And he's like, all right, I will let you put these chains on me. But I need, and I will trust you to let me go if I can't get out of them. but I need a show of good faith from the Asgardians. I want a god to put its head or hand in my mouth. And Odin knows what's going on. He's like, no. Thor's like, no. And Tyr, the one friend of Finir, puts his hand in Finir's mouth. And so Finir allows himself to be chained. And he cannot escape the chains. So he's looking at his friend Tyr. He knows that Odin has betrayed him. Tyr nods his head and Fenir bites off his hand. And then Odin takes his sword, drives it, sorry, this is violent, drives it through finnir's lower jaw and keeps his mouth open. finnir justifiably, is pissed. And he says, you know what, Odin? I would have been a friend to the gods. I would have been a friend to the Aesir, to the Asgardians. But not now. Not ever. I will eat the sun and the moon. And more importantly, I will eat you. Which is what happens in Ragnarok. Fenrir
0: feasts on Odin.
1: Yes. But he kind of deserved it.
0: It sounds like it. Odin's a jerk. And there's many fans of the MCU that think that the same thing of the MCU's Odin.
1: He's a jerk. And so, things happen, life continues, and then there's Baldar. Baldar? Yeah. Baldar, we don't know what to do with Baldar. Baldar might actually be based on Christ. Baldar is a god that is accidentally... Okay, so Freya, Baldar's mother, said... My kid's protected. I've gone to all the things that can do any of the things. They promised not to hurt my kid. But she didn't go to mistletoe. What do you mean mistletoe? I mean mistletoe that grows on oak trees. Do you not know what mistletoe is?
0: I know what mistletoe is, but what do you mean when you say they did not go to mistletoe?
1: Okay, well, I know you know what mistletoe is, but have you ever seen it grow in the wild? Uh, no, actually. Mistletoe is this, like, finely thing. It grows on trees, according to the druids, which I realize isn't Norse, but kind of Norse. It grows where lightning has struck. Now, it's really a parasitic vine that grows from oak trees. And because it's a parasite, because it's spindly, because it's small, Freya didn't think that it could ever hurt her great son Baldar. But Loki did. And Loki tricked Baldar's blind brother into making a dart out of mistletoe, which kills Baldar. And that's the start of Ragnarok. Because Odin is angry and he takes Loki and he chains him and and binds him into the bowels of hell, into the bowels of the Midgard serpent, his own child, where the mid okay, so the thing about the Midgard serpent is he has this awesome venom that can kill all the things Mm -hmm. any of the the things Mm -hmm. and so he chains loki he like i don't know exactly because it honestly i'm a bit squeamish but he takes loki's own entrails and binds him to three rocks i don't know how the three rocks work where he's constantly under poison of his own child under the midgard serpent in hell and his wife, Sigyn, the good wife, tries to catch as much poison as she can in a bowl to keep it away from Loki. Loki is pissed.
0: Understandably. the <sighs> Loki did just kill Baldar.
1: Understandably. Um, Baldar is Odin's son. So how they get away with that, how they get around that Bledo thing, is that Loki didn't directly cause the death. He just tricks someone else into doing his work. And that's why Loki is the father of lies.
0: Mm -hmm. I didn't actually do
1: it. I didn't do it. I'm guiltless. Yeah, Odin wasn't buying that. And so Loki is suffering, is in incredible pain. And his good Aesir wife, oh, they also cut off the head of Ingersoll and she becomes a seer. But that's neither here nor there. And so Loki's angry. He causes Baldir's death, Baldar's death, and then Ragnarok starts. It is never-ending winter. It is a time of starvation. Sisters' children fight sisters' children. Remember, blood bonds are important. People starve. The land stops giving up crops. The sea becomes full of bloated dead corpses. People die. Human beings fight each other. It is the never-ending winter, which I realize this isn't your thing, but that's where um, Game of Thrones winter is coming.
0: Yeah, I was just thinking about that.
1: Yeah. And then there's ashes in the air. It is a time of unending winter. So when you're living in Northern Europe and you're in a small ice age and your growing season shortens and shortens and shortens, and you cannot feed your people. Your people starve and die. This would have been horrific to the Norse. All human civilization is falling. This is the twilight of the gods. And Yggdrasil, the world tree, shakes. And as Yggdrasil shakes, the bonds and the chains that had previously held anyone else is broken. So Fenrir escapes. Loki escapes. Loki goes back to his Jotunheim roots and Loki builds a ship. It's a ship built from the fingernails of the dead. So it floats. So the gods wake up and they grab their arms and one of the worlds, and I don't remember the Norse name, is the Battle World. The battlefield. Odin brings his men, which are the warriors who have died. And he's those fight for him. In Norse mythology, they're still called the living. So those who make it to Valhalla, or Valhalla, the Hall of the Slain, are still alive.
0: Freya... The, the life after death.
1: Yeah. But they're not dead. Because they're with Odin in the Mead Hall. Freya brings her warriors and her warrior asses. Remember, women who died in arms protecting their family. They went to Freya. Some men did too. Like a good married couple, Odin and Freya split their corpses. Hell, the uneasy dead fight for hell. And because she's Loki's daughter, they fight for Loki. Those are the corpses, those that died in any other way other than in battle which you can imagine are probably most of the dead in the world and sultor is there the frost giant with the sword that sets everything on fire the fire giant and so venice wolf's chains break apart and they all meet on this battle plane shall i continue or do you have a question?
0: I'm I'm thinking I'm actually picturing some of the movie in this last battle that takes place on the rain the rainbow bridge.
1: Fenris Wolf. not the rainbow bridge. Yeah.
0: Yes, the rainbow. Bifrost. Bridge. Yeah, the bi- the bifrost is the word I should have went with, and
1: yeah. But it's the rainbow bridge, and anytime and and this took me a long time, and you can cut this out in your editing. But you know how people say when animals die they've crossed the rainbow bridge. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what they were talking about but i think they're talking about the the bifrost the dead animals go to odin that makes sense that's my best guess and so ragnarok starts and people are dying and most of humanity is dying and the oceans flood and they're full of the corpses of dead fish and dead sea monsters and thor Gets his chance to finally kill the Midgard Serpent. And he does. He bashes its brains in. I'm sorry again, this is the Norse. Wait, 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 wait. The Midgard Serpent? Yes.
0: Yorgamundar. The earthly serpent.
1: The Midgard Serpent. Okay. There's only one serpent! <laughs> okay. Loki's kid!
0: Yes, but I, I guess I. there's been... I, I guess there's, that that's a connection I missed about it being a Midgard serpent, but okay.
1: Ah. He's called the Midgard serpent because the more that he swam in the ocean, the bigger he grew. And he grew big enough to eat Midgard, Middle Earth. Okay, so Loki, Loki's still Lokiing. Um, We'll get there in a second. But Thor is fighting the Midgard serpent. And he... Cashes its brains in. But remember when I said that the serpent had that magical poison? I do. He, he douses Thor in that poison. And Thor dies also. And so Loki's on this ship that floats as ships do. But it's made of the fingernails of the dead. And as it sails through the worlds or worlds, we don't really know. It's not specified. It floats because it's made from fingernails. And it's full of the uneasy dead.
0: So Loki survives Ragnarok.
1: We're still in the middle of Ragnarok. This is Ragnarok. Right. He is surviving currently.
0: Okay. But that won't
1: stay. Okay. So they land at the battlefield of the gods, whatever it's called. And the different worlds, the dark elves and the whatnot, and whatever. We're simplifying this, right? Okay, so they're fighting on this field and the gods are fighting gods and the heroic slain are fighting the uneasy dead and everyone's dying and there's death and there's destruction. And Neil Gaiman says it beautifully when he says that as the bifrost, the rainbow bridge burns, it is the sound of thousands of children screaming in pain. Which I find particularly horrifying.
0: No, that does sound horrifying.
1: Yeah. So it's bad. And so...
0: No, no, it's horrifying. It's
1: not bad. Yes, indeed. So Thor dies, the serpent dies, but before Thor dies, he sees Odin taking on Fennec's wolf, Fenir. Fenir, when he's betrayed, promises to eat the sun and the moon and Odin himself. And Fenir, during all this time, has been eating and growing larger and larger and larger. And he eats the sun. And he eats the moon. And he eats the Allfather. And the Allfather is no more.
0: So it does what he said he's going to do.
1: Yeah, because remember, one's word is... binding. Finding! Yeah.
0: And then well that that's just okay. It's just fascinating cuz one word's bind is that there's a family. Well, there's like an equal playing field? Yeah. In the sense of like there's it doesn't seem like there's a hierarchy in like this person's word is more binding than another's unless it's the three witches, I guess. Yeah. But even though you're Odin the Allfather, Frenier's word is just as binding as Odin's.
1: Yeah. So Fenir eats the Allfather, and I don't remember who kills Fenir, but one of Odin's children kills Fenir. And Tyr, the one who Fenir's hand ate, yeah, he dies. But he battles the worst dog, and I don't remember what his name is. He's He's called the Hellhound. He is a horrible, horrible, horrible dog that bites... Out like people's necks and that's how tear dies they die together hella's death is never mentioned
0: really that's interesting
1: hella just kind of goes with the flow
0: and the movie
1: yeah
0: we don't actually see hella die it's just implied
1: yeah i know hella just kind of hella's persephone Without Hades, she just kind of hangs out in her underworld. She's half corpse, half beautiful, and she just kind of, eh, these are my people. Dad, do you need them to fight? Sure, go fight. I'm going to hang out here.
0: Half half beautiful, half corpse. Um, the thing that just came to mind was Medusa. No. No?
1: No. Medusa was not a corpse. Medusa was raped. And that's, it's her anger and frustration that turned her into the serpent-headed thing that could eventually kill men. No one raped Hela. She just kind of went with the flow. Okay. Okay. And so, Heimdall and Loki fight, and, and, and they're fighting each other, and they both die together, and many of the gods the the Aesir everybody dies basically except for like people's sons and Loki says I won I've destroyed the earth I've destroyed the gods and Heimdall's like no I see further but people are dead and Heimdall's like no I see further than you a man and a woman love and love's yearning has hidden themselves inside the world tree and from them The world will continue. And Loki's like, would have said something like biting and horrific, but he was already dead. And Heimdall died too. And so, you look shocked.
0: I do. I, I don't know why I expected Heimdall to live at this
1: point. Heimdall's an Aesir. He has to die. And so, two of Odin's children avenge his death. I don't remember how. And Thor's children get Mjolnir. The
0: strength and anger.
1: Yeah. And love and love's yearning hide a man and a woman hide themselves in the world tree. And and the fire giant, what's his name? Seder.
0: Surtur. Or Sir say, searcher or I forgot how you pronounced Seder. it, but yeah.
1: Surtur raises his fire sword to the heavens and after, and he's looking at this battlefield and he's looking at the dead world and he's looking at Asgard and he's looking at Midgard, and everything sets on fire. The air sets on fire. The corpse that used to be Loki, that used to be Heimdall are ash and the ocean, the bloated ocean washes over Everything. And that's the end, but it's not the end, because for the Norse, death and destruction always ended in rebirth and resurrection. So, go ahead.
0: I was just going to say most myths and cultures, or most myth. Let me put this. Let me rephrase that. Most myths across cultures have that death and rebirth theme. Yes. And, and, and this is just the Norris.
1: The Norse version. Yeah. And so Odin's silent sons become the new gods. And none of Loki's children survive. So it's like rebirth without the cuckoo's nest. Baldar is actually brought out of hell. And he's born anew. Because, you know... Baldar, they think, or certain scholars think, equate him with Christ, and remember the Harrowing of Hell. Christ descended into hell, and rose. That's kind of what Baldar did, and so he's there with Thor's two sons, and it takes both of his sons to wield Mjolnir. And as they're all hanging out, and and I'm gonna and I'm gonna refer to Neil Gaiman for this, they see shiny things in the grass because the ocean has washed away the The ash and has receded and the, the sun was eaten but the sun's daughter burns brighter and more purely and so they see these shiny things in the grass and Baldar recognizes them do you want to know what the shiny things are? take a guess
0: the god what well we're talking rebirth so it's going to, I feel like it's going to be the, the coming back of certain people. Sort of. But, it, but I'm having a hard time li- thinking about the story of who is redeem-worthy to yeah. come
1: back. Redemption. Yeah. They were chess pieces, golden chess pieces of Odin and Freya. So that would have been the white. And then Loki and Loki's children, that would have been the black. And Baldar assembles all these pieces and assumes and, like, puts them all on a board. And Neil Gaiman says the game begins anew, which means, and so love the woman and loves yearning the men. They come out of Yggdrasil and they do things that men and women do and they beget children and so humanity is born anew. But that game with Loki, even though Loki's dead, he's not really dead. And so the world is created anew. That's why I said it's there, Noah's Ark, because there's flooding, there's death. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and most also most cultural myths have some kind of flood. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yay! Let me ask you this question. Okay, so you wonderfully laid out Ragnarok for us.
1: I tried. Oh! I have to tell a story. Okay. From a beloved and faithful listener named Rob, whom you know.
0: I do. And he wanted me to... Inc- Wait a second. There's Rob Logan who listens, and this is Rob, your yes. co-worker.
1: And Rob wanted me to make sure and include how um, <laughs> um, Thor cross-dressed in order to get Mjolnir back. So there was a... Um, a a giant who stole Mjolnir. And he demanded to marry Freya to give Mjolnir back. But, you know, cleverness being what it is, Thor dressed as a bride. Guess what Loki did?
0: Probably dressed as...
1: No. (laughs) Better. He dressed as a bridesmaid. And so they tricked this frost giant, this Jordenheim person, into giving Mjolnir back, and that's how Mjolnir was restored by, and, and because the the frost giant had stolen Mjolnir, and that's how Mjolnir was restored to Thor. That's a fantastic.
0: I know. I'm so glad that you and Rob made sure that the story <laughs> made it to the pod. That's fantastic.
1: I wish it would have made it to the MCU. That was my question.
0: What, of, of, of thinking of all this and being a backseat writer, something out of this that was left out that you wish they would have incorporated into?
1: Ideally, there's a lot of things they could have done, but I like that Loki has like that broken child thing. Like, that's fine, but they should have made Odin's betrayal of Finir or Wolf more apparent. Because that would have made Odin's death morally justifiable mm-hmm. to some. But I also like the idea that Odin sacrificed himself to himself. That's funny. And you could imagine for a culture that they were trying to convert to Christianity for a God who sacrifices himself for love of others. They're like, Odin sacrificed himself to himself. Like, that's nothing new to us. It makes... Understanding why it was so hard to convert the Norse, it makes it make sense.
0: Yeah, it does. It does because it's nothing. Yeah. Well, there's nothing new. Uh, Like who's Balder again? He's Asgardian. Yeah. Okay, and you mentioned those connections to Christ and that's that idea of like the Harrowing of Hell. Yeah. um, and, And Christianity, fully God, fully man. Because it has to be, in that sacrifice, something that is fully divine. Yeah. So it's a perfect sacrifice, but also fully man, so it's one of us. Yeah. So I see that connection in Baldur's sense of like, that's the one that dies, that's the one that resurrects, because it is one of them that goes and comes back. So I, I, I see that connection there, which, whether it's an intentional somehow overlapping of cultures and in, in religious stories, or just the idea of this sacrifice or somebody overcoming something in, in, in this way but it having to be one of us as this well, representative that comes out on the other end.
1: And Baldar was blameless. He was the sun. He was nothing but light and warmth and goodness which made the killing of Baldar on the part of Loki unforgivable. And, and it kind of reminds me of what it's like to explain the crucifixion to, to students who come from a, who come from different faith, faith traditions. Like they're like, I don't understand why this is a thing. And so it's just, it's interesting to explain that to them.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely.
1: So if I could backseat, right. In quotation marks, anything, Fennis Wolf, Fenir, would have been with Hela. And Odin would have betrayed him, which would have made all of that make more sense. And how can you forget the Midgard serpent? The serpent that's big enough to eat Middle Earth. That's impressive. And Thor, and the battle, and the banging in of the heads and the brains. That's good stuff.
0: It is. Bashing in of heads, brains.
1: Fantastic Yay. stuff in theory,
0: well yeah. thank you for coming on and telling us the story of Ragnarok and the opportunity to backseat right. That was fantastic.
1: I hope that I did it justice.
0: Uh, you know what i'm I'm sure you did because off of that telling, um, like I said, we' put those things in the show notes. And I feel like, this they will pique the interest of enough people that they will probably go and start looking into some of this themselves. Um, which that's part of how we pass on myths and cultures, and that's and that way the, the perfect way to do it justice.
1: Well, um, just to say that if you're a scholar and you're interested in Norse myth there's one version you should go with. But if you're not a scholar and you just want the stories, go for the Neil Gaiman version because it's so accessible. And what is so great about Neil Gaiman in his audiobooks is that he reads it himself, which is even more fantastic because you know authentically that the emphasis is being placed where it should. And it's fantastic.
0: Right, so in that audiobook, he's not actually just narrating, he's- Yeah reading and and, an oral tradition like this would have been passed. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The best way to look at it, I would think, or listen to it. I don't
1: remember what they're called, but there were Norse oral poets. And, and I can think of the name in English and, and in French and in old Southern French, Occitanian, but I, I don't remember the Germanic name. But remember that these stories were acted out and they were told at festivals and great events. They were meant to be heard, not read in isolation. It was a communal experience. It's
0: one of the things I love about podcasting, the idea of this oral tradition being passed on. Yeah.
1: My my hands are up in the victory stance, and I'm like, You're smiling.
0: <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Normally, we have our guests plug any kind of social media stuff they have. I don't know if you have anything you want to plug in that fashion. But in terms of possibly showing up on the show again, that's a, a chance. And who knows? Somebody might listen and like, oh, I have to have this person on my pod. Gosh. Don't be surprised if that happens.
1: I'm not that great. <laughs> okay. So, my Twitter handle is herring tour. H-A-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-R-A-L. You can follow me, and it's great.
0: Yeah, so if you want to find Amity, you can check her out on Twitter. If you want to find me, or when Trey gets back from his vacation, when we start reviewing Hawkeye, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, at MCU need to know, or you can do us long form with the email and at MCU to know, Dot com and of course also scroll down to the bottom you can click on the link join our discord there's a wonderful community of people who love the MCU pop culture uh, we mentioned before there's um, a channel on food there's a channel on pets there's a channel there's a channel on a lot of things but in particular as you listening to an MCU podcast when you get there make sure you click on the roll assign click on the emoji. so you can have access to all the spoiler channels um, and of course, Uh, ratings and review are helpful and the best thing you can do for us is share with a friend and lastly we want to make sure we thank Nick Sandy for our theme song is his rendition of the Avengers theme he does wonderful work and you can find him on Instagram, follow his SoundCloud to get his photography and music yeah I think that's all for us Uh, thank you for listening to the pod and Amity thank you for doing this yay Straight, we'll be back, and we will see you next week. I don't think Norse an invention.
1: Chess may not be Norse an invention, but actually, it is. Hey, what's up? Do I have
0: to go to school tomorrow? My yes. Friend's
1: not. You have to go to school. You going
0: to school? Because we're going to school. It's one lay. Love you. Um. And lastly, we want to make sure we thank Nick Sandy for
1: he you. No. no. What? I have a question. What? You're not gonna like it. What? Okay. So Trey has gone. Is Daniel Trey 2.0 or is Amity Trey 2.0? You have to pick. Dun dun dun.
0: So, like I said, you can Nick Sandy, who did our theme song, is his rendition of the Avengers theme. He does <laughs> wonderful, wonderful work. work, and you can find him on Instagram. Follow his SoundCloud to get his photography and music. Buck.